While many are rightly focused on who's going to be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints this weekend against the Carolina Panthers, the Saints have another very big question to answer. We got all that and a little bit of land yap for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Big shout out to all the everydayers out there. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free on your favorite podcast provider and on YouTube as well. And as always, if you want to keep the conversation going, take part in our exclusive film studies, Q&As, and much more, you can become a Locked on Saints insider today by texting HUDAT to 504-285-7473. As always, I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson NOLA, on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the Media Saints News Network, Tuesdays in the Locked on NFL podcast, and here with you every single Monday through Friday, Unlocked on Saints. In today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. I actually literally just placed my very own DoorDash order. I got some breads on oak to come over for breakfast this morning. So that's going to be here probably before the show's over. And a big thank you to our friends over at DoorDash for allowing me to be able to do that. Place your order today and enter your promo code LOCKED23. Uh, Stay tuned later on in the episode to hear more from our friends at DoorDash. So on today's episode of Locked on Saints, it's our Jackson 5. It's our game plan episode of the week. So we're going to be breaking down what it is that the New Orleans Saints need to do schematically to be able to beat the Carolina Panthers. Not a lot to really talk. Well, not not that there's a not a lot to really talk about, but there's not a lot to really show when it comes to the Carolina Panthers offense. But the New Orleans Saints need to keep it that way. We're going to discuss how they do that over on the defensive side. We're going to discuss how to beat the Carolina Panthers defense. A little bit of a different game plan these days than it was week two. So we'll be able to go through all of that, including route concepts, things like that. that The Saints should be looking to use during this game. But as we get started today, the first thing I want to really lead off with is where are the New Orleans Saints going to find their Taysom if they don't have Taysom? I know a lot of folks are thinking about, you know, who's going to be the starting quarterback, Derek Carr or Jameis Winston at this point. At this point, I'd be a little bit surprised if it wasn't Derek Carr because we've seen him out there. Wednesday and Thursday practicing, looking like everything's just like it always has looked for him. I mean, he doesn't, nothing limited, you know, it doesn't, I mean, he has been limited in practice, but in terms of what we see during the open portions of practice, like everything's pretty much the same, like throwing a rod receivers, all this stuff. We don't watch team drills and everything. So that's probably where the limitations come in. But in terms of him working, throwing routes on air, all that other stuff, he's been doing that. So at this point, I'm going to be surprised if Derek Carr doesn't play on Sunday, it's all going to come down to whether or not the independent neurological consultant actually clears him. Remember, practice is a part of getting cleared when it comes to concussion protocol. It's not a sign of being cleared. So it could still very well be Jameis, even though Derek Carr has been participating. We'll just have to see what that independent neurological consultant says, as well as, of course, the club physician. They both have to come up with the same diagnosis saying, yeah, he's good to go. So we'll see what happens, but certainly things are trending in the right direction for Derek Carr, but beyond who's going to play quarterback, one of the things that the Saints have been missing all week so far with a couple of different injuries is Taysom Hill. And Taysom Hill has kind of been the one thing that consistently works 
on offense for the New Orleans Saints. So where do the New Orleans Saints find their Taysom Hill without Taysom Hill? Well, there's actually kind of an answer to this that I asked Dennis Allen about probably four weeks ago when I asked Dennis Allen about whether or not he sees Lynn Bowden as a guy that can come in and serve the Taysom role. He said yes, that that's a guy that could potentially do that. So could the Saints turn to Lynn Bowden as somebody that can come in and hold down that Taysom role, play sort of the wildcat stuff, right? To where they can run the QB powers, run the QB sweeps. I mean, Lynn's done it all. He's played wide receiver. He's played running back. He's played quarterback all at the collegiate level uh, over in Kentucky. He's a guy that you know has won games as a quarterback as well. I mean, the guy's done a little bit of everything uh, in his time. So it could be that the Saints turn to him to still keep a little bit of that Taysom Hill playbook alive if Taysom Hill is not able to go this weekend, right? Because Taysom might be good to go. He might not be good to go. We'll have to see how things go. But so far, not practicing on Wednesday and Thursday. We'll see if he's out there later on today. But things aren't trending in the right direction when it comes to Taysom Hill, the way that they're trending in the right direction for a Derek Carr, for instance. And so what would you expect to see from Lynn in place of Taysom? I think you would probably see a, uh, you'd probably see a lesser presence, right? You'd probably not see 16 snaps at quarterback for Lynn the way that you saw 16 snaps at quarterback for Taysom just last week. But I think you'd probably still see them three, four, maybe six times, somewhere around there. The, the tricky part is going to be how do you sell the QB power, the QB sweep, all of those things if you know that Lynn Bowden's not going to throw the football? So really what you're also looking for is can you incorporate the read option, the zone option, the zone read type of um, type of game plan with Lynn under center to where it's him and Alvin Kamara or Jamal Williams in the backfield. Lynn takes the snap and then either keeps or gives to the running back based upon his read of the defensive end over on the over on the open side. That I think is going to have to be what you see with him in place of Taysom Hill. The thing that gets remarkably sort of concerning around all of this is that this is a big part of the game plan for the New Orleans Saints that they lose if Taysom's not able to go. Like I said, Taysom's probably been the most consistent offensive piece for the New Orleans Saints so far this season in terms of what's successful. And a lot of the things that he that the Saints are able to do with him have led to a lot of success for an offensive line that's otherwise struggled in the run game because a lot of what they do with Taysom is man blocking, downhill. You versus the guy in front of you, go and be bigger, go and be stronger. And so the Saints are going to have to find another way to establish that pace. Now they can do that with Jamal Williams. They can do that with Alvin Kamara, but are they going to be willing to do that with Lynn Bowden as well and have him take those snaps at Wildcat, follow the lead blocker, and then run through some of those big man coverage or man coverage, man zone or gap scheme type of um, game plans out in front of him? I think it can be interesting. Um, Lynn's got a ton of speed. Uh, he can create with the ball in his hand. The biggest thing is going to be, you know, at his sub 200 pound frame, is he going to be able to fight through the line of scrimmage if they utilize him that way? The Saints might just say, you know what, no Taysom Hill game plan this week. But that's a big part of your game plan to erase. And that's a big part of your change of pace to lose. So utilizing a guy like Lynn could still be really beneficial for New Orleans, even if it's not a one for one copy. In fact, it kind of can't be a one for one copy. So it's going to be interesting to see how the New Orleans Saints overcome the potential loss of Taysom Hill in this game. But I do think that Lynn Bowden gives them enough versatility 
as somebody that can do that. He was working with running backs during practice throughout this week or has been so far. We'll see what that looks like later on today. Uh, haven't seen him do, you know, any much of anything else outside of, you know, wide receiver and running back. So I think that what you're going to possibly see is him utilized in the backfield. Maybe that opens up the opportunity for a guy like Shaq Davis, who just came off of uh, the practice squad's version of injured reserve to maybe make it into this game because the Saints will need another number at wide receiver if Lynn's going to be kind of occupied with the run game. I think Chris Olave is going to be okay to go. He missed on Thursday, but it, it was with illness, not with injury. So I'm not too, wouldn't be too worried about that. Uh, but it's going to be very interesting to see if the Saints can utilize Lynn Bowden in some way to help them kind of get over the loss of Taysom Hill if Taysom Hill's not able to go this weekend. So that could be a big part of the game plan this weekend. Let's talk a little bit more about what else will be a part of the game plan for the New Orleans Saints, uh, highlighting what the Saints can do going up against that Carolina Panthers defense. Got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by friends at DoorDash. And here it is. See, they sent me this really nice bag that I get to keep all of my food in. So when stuff arrives and I need it to, you know, just kind of chill out and it stay hot or cold, I throw it in my little bag, all that kind of stuff. So for those of you on the audio side, just showing you my little DoorDash bag here. Um, look, DoorDash is awesome. I, I use it all the time. I talk to you about it all the time. I use it for groceries. I use it for food. My bread's on oak up in the bag right here. Um, I uh, you know, oftentimes use it for busy days when I'm like coming back from practice and there's just a whole bunch of stuff going on. I can order before I even get home and then do it or like today before I started recording order, had it on the way here, like all that kind of stuff. So it's awesome. It's convenient. And it's uh, it's it's just my favorite. It's just my absolute favorite. So I want you to go and check it out today. Uh, if you haven't been using DoorDash, you, you're missing out. What are you doing? So here, let me help you get 50 percent off up to a ten dollar value. When you spend $15 or more on your first DoorDash order by using the promo code in the DoorDash app LOCKED23, subject to change, terms apply. Once again, that's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order with the promo code LOCKED23, subject to change, terms apply. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. It's the game plan. What do the New Orleans Saints need to do on the offensive side of the football schematically to be able to take advantage of what the Carolina Panthers do on the defensive side? The good news is that it's a lot of things that are very familiar for the New Orleans Saints already. Appreciate all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first lesson of the day every day. Don't forget, don't forget to go and check out YouTube's first national sports 24-7 stream over on Locked on Sports today. Be a part of history. Go and subscribe. Locked on Sports today. Today. Uh, all right. So let's take a look at our Jackson Five for this week up against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, my first key is what we just discussed. Use Lynn Bowden like Taysom Hill if Taysom is out. So we covered that. Up next, really for me, like this Jackson Five is like four things on offense, one thing on defense. The four things on offense are Lynn. Going vertical, because you know if you're the New Orleans Saints, you want to go vertical anyway. It's their favorite thing to do this season on the offensive side of the football. Win the line of scrimmage in the run game is number three. And then number four, get back to your screen game with Alvin Kamara. Now, these are not in order of importance, one through four. These are just the order in which I structured the show today. Um, but obviously, all four of these things will be able to help the New Orleans Saints out pretty big. I mean, having another Taysom Hill level of production, even without Taysom Hill, or having somebody that allows you to maintain sort of that counterpunch game plan, like Lynn really helps you out, right? Um, 
it, the reason why I mentioned taking advantage of the, the vertical routes, taking advantage of the screen game, is because both of those things work very well against what it is that Carolina loves to do over on the defensive side of the football. So for the, for the Carolina Panthers, second highest zone coverage rate per uh, fantasy points, fourth highest middle of field closed coverage rate. So that means they effectively play a lot of cover three. They play a lot of cover six. When we talk about middle of field closed, all that we mean is that there's a safety or a defensive back covering the middle of the field, as opposed to like a cover two or a cover four, where you have an even number of deep zones, which means that the middle of the field ends up being left open in that case. So middle of field closed versus middle of field open. Carolina does a lot of middle of field closed. They do it with cover three. They do it with cover six. Cover three means three deep zones uh, that split the field responsibility into thirds. So somebody's got the middle of the field. Somebody's got the left portion of the field. Somebody's got the right portion of the field. There you go. Uh, cover six is a little bit different, right? Still three deep zones though. It's just that one, one player takes half the field and then the other two players split the other half of the field. So you each get a quarter. So it just kind of, it just kind of shifts a little bit about what, what you're looking for. In cover three, you get four underneath zones that are pretty evenly spread out. In cover six, you get four underneath zones as well, but the underneath zones are kind of skewed toward the boundary side. The way that cover six ends up getting split is that effectively you see a cover four look over on the field side because you need two quarters in order for those two deep safeties or two deep defenders to have something to cover. And then on the field side, which is, or excuse me, the boundary side, which is just the side that's closest to the um, closest to the, the sideline, closest to the out of bounds mark, that is where the cover two side is. Over on that field side, what happens is that that corner over on the furthest outside just bails deep, which leaves the flats open on the field side. So that's really the weakness of cover three or cover six. The weakness of cover three are the seams. So four verticals pushing downfield makes a humongous difference up against cover three because you're forcing three deep defenders to cover four receivers. So someone's going to be open based on who that middle of field safety goes to on either side of the field. If he goes right, then probably one of the receivers on the left side is open. If he goes left, probably one of the receivers on the right side is open enough for you to get the ball to. So that means against cover three, you get to go deep. Against cover six, you get to check down or go to the screen game. And that's what I think the New Orleans Saints should do. When they get up against cover three, attack the seams, attack those four verticals, be able to find ways to be able to do it. They don't all have to be fly routes to be verticals, by the way. One, you, know, you can line up three receivers on one side, have one of them run a post, and you're achieving the same thing. You can have a very deep level of comebacks achieves the same thing. All you have to do is get enough depth in the routes that are being run to be able to take advantage of those deep safeties. Up against cover six, very, very weak on the field side in the flat. So that's where you could see a really good opportunity to get Alvin Kamara some big catch and run shots, right? So you could do that with passes out to the flat. You could do that with his option routes. If he feels the inside leverage of the linebacker, he can bounce outside, boom, get in the pass. And then that safety is running, or that cornerback is running away from him as he gets to that boundary. So he gets the opportunity to be able to get up there and get up field in that case, or the screen game uh, equally effective in that area. So that's what I look at for the New Orleans Saints when it comes to attacking the pass. That's why you go vertical. You know that they want to do it anyway. And that's why you get that screen game going with Alvin Kamara. So that's, that's my thing that I like there. And the other thing that I like about that too is that if you catch them in that sort of cover six look and you run 
an outside zone or maybe a QB sweep if you're doing some fun things with Lynn Bowden, that gets you to the outside on the field side to be able to take advantage of the depth that that, that, that corner is going to be giving up towards the outside. So if you can get to the boundary, it becomes really, really hard for that boundary corner to be a boundary run defender. So it gives you the opportunity to be able to take advantage of that. The Carolina Panthers really like this new 3-4 alignment that they've tried out, even though they didn't get the right athletes to be able to actually run it. So that's one of the reasons why they've struggled so much in the run game over on the defensive side of the football. This will give the New Orleans Saints, ideally, an opportunity to be able to win at the line of scrimmage. That is an absolute must for them in this game. Win at the line of scrimmage, be able to run the football. It's important to know that what this requires is all five offensive linemen to win together as opposed to one player getting something wrong. Because if one player gets something wrong, one player misses on a pull or misses on, you know, or doesn't get the depth that they need to get or doesn't get the lateral movement that they need to get in a zone run, everything else falls apart, right? All five of the offensive linemen have to be in unison and have to work together. And so when you look at sort of this odd man front that the Carolina Panthers will play a lot of, not all of, but a lot of, it gives you the opportunity to really be able to build some leverage against that defensive line because of all of the space that they give up in what is effectively a small defensive front for Carolina. Carolina is running that 3-4, but they don't really have the bodies for it. They have some athleticism at the second level, but they don't really have the bodies for what they need to do. So if you're the New Orleans Saints, you've got to be a bully in this game. And so that's why I think the Saints should really actually, instead of leaning into the zone run, they should actually be leaning in a little bit more to the man run, which is what they've been doing here recently. And they've seen a lot more success so far in terms of success rates uh, when it comes to the gap or man scheme. Just go and punch Carolina in the mouth right away and establish that as a part of your run game. If the Saints can do that, then I think that they should be able to take advantage of that lighter Carolina front. So just to review all four of our offensive points here, find a way to get some level of that counterpunch production that you get from Taysom Hill with Lynn Bowden. That does not mean that you have to get the exact level of production that you get from Taysom Hill. That does not mean that you have to Deploy Lynn as a quarterback, 16 snaps, just like the New Orleans Saints did last week with Taysom. It's, it's not a one-for-one thing. It's just about finding some elements of that productive playbook and still being able to replicate it even with Taysom out. Go vertical here. This is a great defense to go vertical against. J.C. Horn's going to be out there. It's going to be the opportunity to be able to lock horns there for sure, but this is where Carolina's weak. So, if you're able to attack them in those areas and you're able to find the weak points in their zones, you'll be able to find the weak points in an otherwise strong passing defense. Take advantage when they're in those cover six looks to be able to take those dump offs right into the flats. The field side is going to be very important for the New Orleans Saints uh, early. So when I talk about the field side, just as a review, if the ball is on, let's say the left hash mark at the snap, then everything to the right is the field side because you've got more field to that side. So that's the way you're looking at it. It's on the hash mark on the right, same thing to the left. That's the way that it all works. So that's what I'm looking for the New Orleans Saints to do there. And then, of course, win in the run game and establish that. The run game becomes very important over on the defensive side as well. Let's break down why and how to fluster Bryce Young. We got that coming up for you next as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and most fun way to play daily fantasy sports. It's super simple. You pick two to six players, 
Choose whether or not they're going to come in at more or less than their prize picks projections. You get those right, you can win up to 25 times your money back. No mystery lineups, no small slice of this big old imaginary pie, none of that stuff, no spreadsheet wizards, whatever. MLB, NBA, NFL, whatever it is that you're looking for, prize picks has you covered. And they even have now the special stuff where you can actually blend different things from different leagues. For instance, you can take like Travis Kelsey and LeBron James and go more or less than 10 and a half uh, combined three points made by LeBron and catches made by Travis Kelsey. Like, how cool is that? Like, it's a ton of fun. So go check them out today. Uh, you can do so by going over to prizepicks.com. So that's locked on NFL promo code as well, locked on NFL in all lowercase. That will get you a first deposit match as a new customer up to $100. It's the first deposit match up to $100 by going to prizepicks.com. So it's locked on NFL using that promo code locked on NFL as well. Prizepicks, daily fantasy made easy. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Saints with a quick look at what the New Orleans Saints need to do on the defensive side to be able to take advantage of who the Carolina Panthers are on the offensive side. Big thank you to all you everydayers out there making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Fact of the matter is that the New Orleans Saints are going to have a pretty good advantage here going up against the Carolina Panthers offense because, yes, their defense has been struggling. However, the Carolina Panthers offense not really a lot to write home about. Now, they've gotten a lot better in the run game, but in the passing game, they haven't really been very effective. So we're going to break down some numbers here to kind of outline that and how the New Orleans Saints will be able to take advantage of that. Real quick, let's look at the last point of our Jackson 5, which is super simple. Stop the run, pressure the quarterback. Okay, technically it's two points. You can be mad at me. It's technically the Jackson 6, but obviously that's not as fun. It's Jackson 5. So for me, it's stopping the run, pressuring the quarterback. That's what you got to do. On the defensive side, if you're the New Orleans Saints going up against the Carolina Panthers, that's what you have to do. Now, the Carolina Panthers won't necessarily make all of that easy. Uh, they've turned their run game over to running back Chuba Hubbard, which is something they should have done at the very beginning of the season. I think when we were talking before the week two game, it was something that I said was that, yeah, they should be turning this over more to Chuba Hubbard than Miles Sanders. I think that's been proven now, and we've certainly seen them do that here more down the stretch since they moved on from running back coach Duke Staley. Um, this is one of the top offenses in the NFL when it comes to yards after contact percentage over the course of the past three weeks. So yards after contact percentage means what's the percentage of yards that running backs gain in the run game after they meet contact versus before they meet contact, just over 60% uh, for the Carolina Panthers. So what you're seeing from Chuba Hubbard is that he's somebody that if you get your hands on him, you're not guaranteed to get him down. He'll pick up more yards after that. But if you can get him down, they're not getting a lot of yards before contact. So that means that the offensive line usually isn't resetting the line of scrimmage, which we we've seen happen to the New Orleans Saints week after week after week over on the defensive side of the football. Need to see that change here against the Carolina Panthers. It should. Hopefully it does. Recently, they found a really good balance of their man and or man slash gap and zone run scheme. Uh, man scheme being blocking the guy in front of you, zone scheme being assigned to a, a gap you have to get to. Um, with that being the case, it just means that they have a little bit more balance over the course of the past three weeks. That's a good thing for them. It doesn't necessarily make things more tricky or at all for New Orleans, but it just does mean that it's not like, okay, well, they do this a lot or, oh, they do that a lot. They, they have a really good balance between the two. 15 missed tackles forced over the course of the past three games in the run game. That's not the most in the NFL, but it's enough to be annoying. It's top five. 
So just something to watch out for because Tyron Matthew at the end of last week's game against the Detroit Lions, what was the first thing that he said? He said, usually when you talk about slow starts for a defense, one of the biggest things is always tackling. And so when you have a defense or an offense, excuse me, like Carolina, that has created enough missed tackles to be annoying uh, over the last three games, that's something to really watch out for. So that's a big thing to watch out for from this New Orleans Saints defense early on in the game is can they make the tackle at first contact? And if they can do that, then things will, will go a lot better for them uh, in defending the run this week. Okay. We're going to look at the passing offense for the Carolina Panthers. Let me give you the bottom line of the Carolina Panthers passing offense first. It's a basic passing offense where Bryce Young can kind of create where he finds opportunities to create. It's not a, an offense that takes a lot of deep shots. It's, it's not an offense that throws to its first read very often, um, which means it, Bryce Young gets forced into his progressions a little bit deeper, meaning that he holds on to the football because of that. That type of offense welcomes pressure, whether it wants to or not. Uh, but Bryce Young does a very good job of avoiding sacks, which helps him then be able to get the ball out into the flats. Okay. So what you're seeing is a progression being taken by Bryce Young, pressure getting to him in the time that it takes for all of that to happen. He's able to avoid these sacks. I'll give you a number here in a little bit that's just absurd about that. And as he avoids the sacks, he just kind of gets the ball out to the closest receiver. So that's, that's reflected in the analytics around this offense. Uh, it's very rudimentary, a lot of half-field reads, uh, trying to get the ball out of Bryce's hand fast is effectively what's happening, but they have a lot of trouble getting to the first read. Um, they don't get to the first read very often, actually. They are the uh, lowest uh, deep throw percentage in the NFL, 6.9 yards of average depth per target. That's the second lowest in the NFL in terms of that thing, but number of deep shots taken, they're the lowest in the NFL. They're one of the lowest when it comes to first read percentages in the league as well. Third most pressures surrendered so far by a defense, high, or surrendered as an offense, high check down rate, not as high as the Saints, but still a high check down rate over 10%. Uh, and Bryce Young, tied for the most avoided sacks as an individual quarterback in the NFL, according to Fantasy Points, with 27. 27 avoided sacks. He's tied with Sam Hubbard for that number. Um, that's annoying. <laughs> that's annoying. That's pesky. That's whatever one of those little words you want to use um, about a quarterback that just won't go down. Uh, I have a series coming up for you soon about what Saints players want Saints fans to know about their position groups. And one of the common threats that I found by talking to defensive players, particularly secondary players, but talking to defensive players is that it is a lot harder than people think to tackle a quarterback. That's uber protected, that has all the space in the world, all these other things, especially in today's game. So that doesn't measure up great going up against Bryce Young. Now, Bryce Young is not Lamar Jackson. Bryce Young is not a six foot three, six foot four behemoth uh, of a quarterback like a Trevor Lawrence or a Josh Allen, who are just like mad hard to tackle in the backfield and stuff like that. He's not that guy, but he's, he's slippery. Like he can get away and everything like that. So that's going to be a big thing to watch. This game is going to come down to tackling for the New Orleans Saints over the defensive side. So you got to be able to stop the run by getting the running back down at first contact. And you got to be able to pressure the quarterback and ideally get to the quarterback. Uh, look, 
The, the Saints right now and the Panthers actually are tied for the second fewest sacks in the NFL with just 19. The only team that has less sacks than them right now are the Chicago Bears with 17. And they got two and a half sacks here recently out of Montez Sweat, the guy they went out and got at the trade deadline. Now, I will say the New Orleans Saints didn't sit on their hands during the trade deadline. They were trying to get edge rush help. They just didn't get it. So when you look at where the Saints are right now with Cam Jordan injured, Peyton Turner injured, Isaiah Foskey, you know, dealing with injuries, still coming back from injury, all of that. Jason Pierre-Paul gets signed away. Things aren't trending in the right direction. So I think you should probably be ready to see Zach Vaughn a lot more as a supplemental pass rusher. The Saints only blitz about 23% of the time, one of the lowest in the NFL. Um, that should change this weekend because you want to see them get pressure on Bryce Young, make him frazzled, all that stuff. So that's all. I, I, that's what I think it takes. I mean, that's what I think it takes for the Saints to be able to go out and win this game. They should win this game. If they don't, the questions are just going to get louder. The criticism is just going to get stronger and the patience is just going to get shorter. Yeah, those are the things that are going to happen. So I think the New Orleans Saints need to go out there and do these things. They go out there, they do these things, they win this game. They go out there, they don't do these things. We're having a different conversation. Coming up tomorrow, <laughs> it is our, uh, in case you missed that episode, Saturday episode, where we're going to give you all the five biggest takes from the week. I'll also give you a little bit of extra updates and stuff like that from what we learned from practice here on Friday. Make sure you come on back for that tomorrow. Appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. And of course, another big shout out to all you everydayers out there. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you making us a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.